Today, we'll be talking about backup power systems, gray water recycling, and off-grid living. It's my pleasure to have Todd Dubois here as our guest today. Todd is the founder of Sanga Energy. Todd, tell us about Sanga Energy Services. Barry, thank you for having me today. Sanga Energy helps permanent off-grid homeowners and small businesses handle their power needs, water needs, and waste needs. Okay, and, and what geographic areas do you cover? So we are focused in Northern California, and you might be surprised to learn that 30% of the off-grid homeowners are based in California, Northern California specifically. Wow, wow. And you think that we have plenty of power here and they still need uh, off-grid services. Yeah, you'd be surprised. I mean, California is a huge state, and uh, the utility grids don't go everywhere. Hmm. Okay, all right, good. Well, so describe the typical customer of Senga Energy. So our typical customer, again, is a permanent off-gridder. So where the grid, the utility grid, whether that's power, water, waste grids, don't go. They're usually mid-sized homes uh, where they have a family, and they need utility-grade power 24-7, 365 days a year. And that's where we help them out. Okay, cool. Every silver lining's got a touch of gray. That was a nice segue piece of music into my next question about Greywater. But incidentally, that was the Grateful Dead, and it was their only top 100 hit, um, and interestingly, their only music video. But anyway, that, that leads to the obvious question, what is Greywater, and can I drink it? Well, I, uh, you can't drink Greywater directly, and uh, Sangha Energy has just embarked on a new adventure and a challenge, really, for the scientific and... Uh, and hobbyists and engineering community here in Silicon Valley. We want to create the Model T of gray water recycling systems, a low-cost standard unit that allows you to recycle your gray water right at your home and actually reuse that water uh, as wash water and even drinking water. Okay, so if it's working right, I may be able to drink it. Eventually, yes. Right now we're talking about a kit that... For researchers, it's not ready. You can't buy this yet for your home, but we hope in three years that we'll be able to make this happen. And tell me a little bit about these kits. Can I buy those kits now, or where can I see one of those kits? Yes, thank you for asking. We're, uh, we're announcing the availability of the kit at Maker Fair, uh, May 18th and 19th at the San Mateo County Fairgrounds. And Maker Fair is, is kind of a burning man for hardcore geeks and engineers. There's all kinds of cool robotics and mechanical and artistic things at Maker Fair. It's a lot of fun, and Sangha Energy will be there, and we'll have our GREC system there available to see. And what's GREC stand for? GREC is Gray Water Recycling Experimenters Kit. And uh, this is a low-cost kit, again, for scientists and engineers and academics to set up in their labs run gray water through the system, tweak it, play with it, make it as optimized as possible. It's kind of a fun challenge. Uh, The kit is designed to be easy to use, low cost, uh, and in a few years, if we can make it work really well, we'll have uh, a potential to save a lot of money on water. Well, that's that's a, a great kit. Sounds like a good idea. And it kind of leads into the next question that, that you know, a lot of people ask me, you know, why should I care about saving 
you know, water. And the, it leads to the question, how much does water cost? And, uh, you know, I asked my kids this, I asked my wife this, hardly anybody knows how much water costs. That's why we don't conserve it. We know how much gas costs. It's 4 or $5 a gallon. But you don't know what the water costs. So I did a little bit of research. It, in Silicon Valley, water costs $3 per 100 cubic feet. And, you know, so reminds me of the Bill Cosby joke. What's a cubic or a cubic? <laughs> um, so but, so uh, 100 cubic feet is 748 gallons. That works out to be um, at, at uh, $3 per 748 gallons. Water costs half a penny a gallon. And so it's relatively cheap. Then I said, well, gee, how much did I pay when I went to that big box store over the weekend to buy a case of water? I bought a case of water, which was 35 half-liter bottles for five bucks. That worked out to be a dollar a gallon. So I turn my tap on. It's half a penny a gallon. I buy it in the bottles. It's a it's dollar a gallon. Um, but, but with your kit, how much can people save with that gray water recovery kit? What's, what's the expectation? So I, the ultimate goal would be to save 75% of water usage. Now, that's a pretty ambitious goal, um, but we want to set an ambitious target. There are systems today that you can buy that get between 50%, one system that's about $6,000, can give you 50% savings. There's another system about $30,000, 95% recycling of water. So the issue is not can we do it, it's how low a cost can we do it. Because you're right, water is not super expensive. So we have to lower the cost of recycling it. But I also want to mention, right, the environmental impact and the sort of massive public projects that are required to do this water. You not only need to take water out of rivers and streams, you have to put it through a water treatment plant, and then you have to pipe it hundreds of miles sometimes. And then you use it in your house and you make it dirty. And then they send it down the pipes to an industrial plant and they mix it with industrial waste. And then that goes to a waste treatment plant, which you also pay for, where they try to separate out the yuck and the industrial waste and the water. So then we can dump it on the ground or put it in the ocean. So if you think about that whole system that's big, big money. And so if we can cut it even 50% right there in your yard using solar power, probably from Cinnamon Solar, then we have a huge potential impact um, for, for, uh, for our community. And that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, if you're spending, uh, you know, $50 or $100 a month on water, that adds up to a lot of money. And um, I, I can see why people would be very interested in that. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so with one of these home gray water recovery systems, how would people use it? Where, where does the gray water go once it's been treated? Okay, so right now, current state of the art, there's some diversion systems where they take your gray water, maybe your shower water, and you divert it out to your lawn. And that's kind of step one basic gray water uh, reuse is really the way that is. Uh, step two is taking the shower water. Again, gray water is typically wash water. We're not talking about really dirty water. It's just a little bit dirty. Um, and you process that to a next level, and you may use it in a car wash or uh, to wash your car, for example, or uh, other activities where you're washing something. So the water's a little cleaner. It's been cleaned up enough. The third level that we're trying to do, again, in, in the next three years, is take that shower water, um, process it through a, a little miniature treatment plant 
right on your right in your yard, kind of like an appliance, and then put that back into the potable water system in your house, and it's be drinkable. And we have several types of technologies to make that happen. We don't need to go into the details, but it includes solar power. We may have some solar distillation process that adds in and gets really super clean water. So the potential for really clean water is there. Um, it's just, again, making that cost down, down, down to where it makes sense for everybody to have one. And so the ultimate is a little appliance that may sit in your garage or in your backyard. You've got your gray water going into that, and it may have some solar electricity feeding it or, or, or grid electricity. And it's going to process that water, clean it up enough so that you could then feed it back into the house's water system, and then I can drink it. That is the great potable challenge. Exactly. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, typical, I'll just add a little that, you know, typical homeowner can spend between two and $3,000 a year for, for home water. So if you cut that in half, there's real money there. Well, I'd rather find a way to recycle the water than to turn the lawn sprinkler off because then, you know, I get yelled at because now I've just got brown grass. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Post your energy questions on the Cinnamon Solar website at cinnamonsolar.com or go to our Facebook or LinkedIn pages. We're also available to take your solar-related questions anytime at 408-883-7000. We'll try and answer all of your questions on subsequent shows. So here's the energy-saving tip of the week. I guarantee that if you follow these tips, you'll noticeably cut your home energy bills. Today's tip, get a kilowatt power meter. They cost about $20 or $25. They have them at, at hardware stores and big box retailers. This is a little gadget. It looks like a wall timer. It plugs into the wall. And then into this gadget, you can plug your appliances or power strips in. And all this kilowatt meter does is tells you how many watts everything that are plugged into it is drawing. And it's a great way to find out exactly how much power all your appliances and toys draw. That's how I found out that my flat screen TV draws 460 watts when it's on. And there's not much I can do about that because, you know, when you want to watch TV, you want to watch TV. But when I push the button and turn it off, you know, the little blue light is still on that it's kind of standby. The thing's drawing 40 watts. And, you know, as I said in the previous show, 40 watts 24-7 adds up to some serious money. So with the kilowatt, you can go around and, and measure and see what's drawing a lot of power and then find a way to fix it. My view is if there's a way to measure it, you can fix it. And that's exactly what a kilowatt power meter will do for you. Okay, one of the questions that I got from the last show was somebody was planning on buying solar panels for their house. And they asked, I've got these solar panels on my roof. They're generating electricity. If I have a power failure... Um, how do I use that electricity that the panels are drawing? And um, this is a tricky one because even though the panels are up there on the roof and they're generating power, um, unless they're connected to a battery backup system, those panels kind of automatically shut down in case of a blackout. And the reason is that the inverter in the system is designed to only operate, only invert the DC to AC, when there's reference voltage from your utility. So as long as your utility's on, 
those inverters are working and the panels are working, the moment the utility power is interrupted for any reason, the inverter, for safety reasons, automatically shuts down and waits until it sees this grid reference voltage. Um, and, and, you know, it's, people are kind of saying, well, what, do the, what can they do? And, Todd, what's a, what's a good solution in that case where people want backup power? So, Barry, there's a couple good solutions available out there now. Uh, one is a backup generator. And, and many people may be familiar with that, where you buy a generator system that uh, when your power goes down, it sends a signal to the generator, and the generator starts up and powers up your house. It's called a backup generator. There's a new system called a battery backup system, um, which is now available, and that allows you to charge a set of batteries when the grid power is up in your home or using solar, We'll charge these batteries, and if the grid power goes down, um, instantaneously it switches over to the battery energy, the energy that's been stored in those batteries over several days or weeks, and converts that into electricity you can use right away in your home. And it, you, it's almost, well, it is invisible. It happens so fast, you don't even know the power's out. And, and what kind of system do you have in your mountain cabin? <laughs> Yeah, the, uh, so off-gridders are familiar with, uh, with these systems. We call them a hybrid system. And some of you are familiar with how a Prius works, right? You have uh, the Prius, the car I'm talking about that, uh, that uh, most of us know. So a Prius has a big battery, has a really small engine, and you can also plug in the newer ones called a plug-in hybrid. So Sangha Energy um, builds these systems for homes, same kind of thing is for a Prius. So you have your solar panels and uh, inverters and a battery, and the solar panels charge the batteries, and when you need power, it draws the power from those batteries and converts it to electricity you can use. And if there isn't sun, uh, the hybrid system automatically turns on the generator, and so you can have power 24-7, 365 days a year, just like uh, the utility company. Yeah, or I can buy a plug-in Prius hybrid and then just you know put it up on jacks in my garage and plug all my appliances into the, the battery from that and when Shh, it runs down. Be quiet. I have one of those in my garage. No, <laughs> no that's, uh, that's an exciting new innovation, actually. People have been talking about it like crazy. Um, the idea that you, you, know, you drive your power system to work and you drive it home and you plug in your house. And... Uh, no, it's, it's not so far-fetched. We do those kind of systems uh, every day. We actually build them on trailers sometimes. So uh, it may come that far. It may happen sooner than we think. And, and what's holding it back? Is it the types of batteries or the battery pricing? And what kind of trends do you see on the pricing for the batteries? So, uh, so batteries, there's all kinds of new exciting battery technology. And uh, we're still not sure which technology is going to end up ultimately being the best. There are some very good older technologies, you know, decades old in some sense, um, that we recommend, we tend to recommend, uh, and that's partly because they're very recyclable. Uh, they are a little bit expensive on the, on the beginning, but when you're done with it, you can take it and trade it in, and it's almost 100% reusable. Um, but some of these new batteries uh, sound tremendous. So were those the lithium-ion batteries or new, newer technologies? You've got lithium-ion, you've got flow batteries. Uh, there's several other new technologies. I don't keep up with all, in that, all of those. Um, 
Uh, like I said, Sangha focuses on customers that need power today as inexpensively as possible. Um, and so we focus on technologies that are known, robust, and we know we're going to work for the next few years. But we are very excited about some of these new technologies. Could it could lower costs and improve performance? Yeah, yeah. Well, at, at Cinnamon Solar, we do grid tie systems, and you know, the installing these battery backup systems is a specialty. And it sounds like that's something that that you guys have gotten good at. And there's a lot of expertise in figuring out what batteries to use, how to wire those batteries in, how to replace them and, and get a good, reliable source of supply. Not to mention the fact that the things are kind of heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have, uh, we have special equipment to move those around, and, and you don't want to move those batteries any more than you need to. But we enjoy working with uh, solar professionals like Barry who have uh, deep experience, and uh, we bring special experience, again, on the, on the battery side, and, uh, and managing those systems and maintaining them. We have uh, a field service organization that comes out to your home and takes care of those batteries, so you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, that was one of the things that, that I experienced as somebody just doing rooftop solar is there's a little bit more care and feeding necessary for the batteries. It's, it's kind of like the battery in your car, right? Every five years, you're going to have to, maybe five or ten years, you're going to need a new battery. And for a battery backup system, it takes some maintenance and somebody to make sure that whatever the electrolyte is at the right level. And when it wears out, then uh, you know, you got somebody with the equipment to replace it. Exactly. I mean, it, that the, the Prius or an automotive uh uh, example is that. I mean, you're, when we do an off-grid home, it's got an engine in a sense and a storage, you know, fuel storage cell and a and a battery and, and some interconnection wires and some mechanical things that have to work. And, and our specialty is to make that as smooth and easy as possible. Okay, cool. Well, um, you mentioned a little bit about backup generators. What are the different kinds of backup generators? I mean, I, I go to the, the hardware store and, you know, they have a few there and they cost like $500 and you know, is, is that an option for people or, or what's going to be better and more reliable long term? So, uh, so backup generators are, um, are varied. Uh, you can start very low cost and you can get very high cost generators. So it is a tricky process making that selection. But there are some very good standard brands available that we can recommend depending on your site. I mean, if you're talking a small home, you know, a $700 or $800 generator might do the job. If you're talking an estate in, uh, in the foothills uh, with three swimming pools and a heliport, well, we need a little bit bigger system for that. But we can do that as well. Um, uh, so with the generators, uh, again, it's a maintenance. There is a maintenance requirement, just like changing the oil on your car, checking the battery, um, when we install a generator, we typically sign up a service agreement, so we come back and check it every few months, make sure everything's working well. So there's different ways to get these things started. The the one that that I bought, you know, I got to fiddle with the the carburetor, and then I got to pull the cord three or four times, and it gets going. But there's also auto start generators, and then there's also natural gas or propane generators. What's what's the difference there? Which one do you recommend? Yeah, so so different fuel types. Um, our, our key is a key decision that uh, one uh, an owner needs to make. Uh, propane and natural gas fuels are nice because they pretty much last forever. So uh, if they're in storage and uh, and, and uh, um, under the right kind of pressure, they can stay for years and years. You have fuels like uh, diesel and gasoline, which have lifespans of one to two years. So it depends if you if you have a unit you bought at the local hardware store. 
that's got a can of gas in it. If you let it sit for 18 months and you have an, a blackout, you run out there to try to start it, you might have a problem. Yes, so, that's exactly the time you'd find out that your gas is right. stale and it doesn't work. And then you're sitting there with a siphon sucking the gas out of your car, and that's no fun. And the no fumes fun. are really unpleasant. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, the natural gas or propane-tied uh, backup generators um, are definitely a superior approach. Uh, they can sit for months or years. They typically have an automatic exercise function, so they start themselves up every few months to make sure that uh, the system is still working the way you intended. Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right. So, Todd, how can people learn more about Sangha Energy and your services? Thank you for asking, Barry. So, Sangha Energy uh, is, at, uh, is spelled S-A-N-G-H-A energy.org. Uh, we have a website. Uh, you can also contact me directly at area code 831-524-0620. Remember, if you missed any of today's show, you can go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com. That's C-I-N-N-A-M-O-N-S-O-L-A-R.com and listen to the podcasts.